Hey, Dickie boy. How's tricks? That thing is still alive. I don't know what you're talking about. The police officer who arrested you. The one you spilled your guts to. Hey. Take a look at my face, Dick. He was trying to kill me. He's a cyborg, you idiot! Probably the first thing we should get out of the way when we talk about RoboCop, right? Because if you if you listen to this podcast, you know that we we talk about we talk about like trans gender things sometimes here. You know, we keep it light. It's a good time, but we talk about that stuff. And I feel like if you're if you're looking for me to be like. Here's the thing, much like a butterfly, RoboCop is a great metaphor for the transgender experience because there's a really important surgery that happens that makes him into like a different person who is like much more effective or like whatever, like the story doesn't really start until the surgery happens. Like if that's what you're looking for from the RoboCop podcast, I gotta say, dude, fuck you, that's weak analysis. Like. Robocop is different from trans people in a number of important ways, which I would encourage you to Google. I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of people who've written blog posts about the ways that Robocop is not a trans person. But um but there's no but. That's that's it, dude. That's how I feel about that. Um Look, here's the thing about Robocop, right? I it was sort of unavoidable when I was a kid, right? This movie came out when I was like eight. And you know that way that like movies which are not for children, just like kids get fucking stoked about them. Um, Like I remember probably more than the movie, there was this like video game of RoboCop, like an arcade game that they had at like Lanco or whatever the fucking like department store before Walmart became like before every department store became Walmart. We had one called Lanco where I grew up where there was like two or three different Lancos. I think maybe there were more. There's a funny story my mom tells sometimes about when I was like five. She was like, what do you want to do for your birthday? And I was like, I want to go to Lanco. Um, I feel like they, no, I don't feel like, I know for a fact that they had this arcade game where you'd put in a quarter and play the RoboCop game, right? And I feel like that made a much bigger impact on me than the actual movie did, because I don't think, I saw this movie when I was eight, like, this is a gory fucking brutal movie, right? Um, so it was kind of unavoidable, like, there was, there was a time in the 80s, maybe a little bit, earlier than this, maybe right around this, I don't remember exactly, I could do the research, I'm not gonna do the research, there was, so, right now, like, having a kind of, like, boring hot take on Pokemon Go is sort of unavoidable, you know what I mean, like, everywhere you look, somebody has something kind of unnecessary to say about Pokemon Go, um, 
I, there was a time when I was a kid where instead of Pokemon Go, the thing that was like unavoidable was the, these stuffed animals called pound puppies, right? Um, pound puppies were fucking adorable and they, the commercials were unavoidable and there was like, um, I feel like there's an Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad movie about like the dads trying, it's called Jingle All The Way. I haven't seen it. It's about dads trying to find like the really hard to find Christmas toy for their children. Um, it's like Action Man or something. Pound Puppies were the like Action Man of my childhood Jingle All The Way where I remember my mom and dad like talking to some like neighbor parents about like when like Toys R Us was gonna get the shipment of Pound Puppies, right? It was like, and let's acknowledge uh, the middle-classness of this anecdote. My point is just, uh, you, w me and my brother were like fucking stoked about pound puppies. We like wanted some pound puppies pretty bad. And, uh, we got them. I wanted the light brown pound puppy with the dark brown spots. I had like seen that one in the commercial. I was like, this is the stuffed animal that I need, right? Um, and I don't remember if my brother's preference was as strong as mine but I got exactly that one. I got the light brown one with the dark brown spots. Um, he's still around. I named him Spot. And I think he's, like, I don't, they haven't, I don't know, I think he's in storage somewhere. But, um, you know, gonna come out when I am no longer moving across the country all the fucking time. The upshot of this story is that my brother got the gray pound puppy, I think with the dark brown spots as well. And he never really, he, he couldn't settle on a name for his pound puppy, right? And maybe you see where the story is going. The pound puppy was named Jeffrey for a while. I feel like it had a, a number of other names. Maybe, no, there was a teddy bear that was named Jeffrey. My brother really liked the name Jeffrey or Jeffy um, when we were kids. But I think he had a teddy bear. It was probably a teddy bear in like a New York Giants sweatshirt because that was our shit too when I was a kid. Um, and when I say our shit, I mean like the like dads in our neighborhood and therefore everyone who was in my world um anyway my brother the point is just at one point my brother's pound puppy was named robocop which is funny they're like pretty different aesthetics robocop and pound puppies but that was how unavoidable robocop was in our, our like pop culture mindset you know what i mean and like I said, I played a lot more. Like, I feel like the video game that we used to play at Lanco um, probably had, like, some samples of RoboCop saying stuff that were really exciting. And, like, he, like... You know how, like, video games... Like, the limitations of video games... And this is probably not just true of video games, but, like, a ton of shit that it is... That we are exposed to as children. Oh, fuck. Am I getting on the freeway by mistake? I think I'm accidentally getting on the freeway. Let's get on the freeway. All right, what are we going to do? I'm in the turn lane. You don't just leave the fucking turn lane, am I right? Um, not right now. Anyway, um, the, like, weird graphical limitations of the RoboCop video game were super compelling to me as kid, as a kid, right? Like, it winds up, like, scanning to you. It wound up scanning to me as really stylized instead of primitive. You know what I mean? Um, and so I feel like those like sound bites, Robocop would be like, you're coming with me, creep, right? And like, um, that sort of thing. It was really a big part of our world. And so watching it now, watching this movie a hundred years later, um, it was weird, dude. It was not what I expected. I think probably I spent more time like 
with the sequels, and I think the sequels were grew like campier as they went on. There's a RoboCop two and a RoboCop three. Um, RoboCop one, not only is it like not very campy, there's like not that much super ridiculous shit to to really dig into about it. Like its heart is pretty much in the right place. Like it's about like monopolistic corporations and their relationship to the militarization of the police, right? And the ways that those things intersect with like vapid pop culture. It's just like, these are pretty relevant issues, right? In whatever year it is now, um, they haven't gone away. And so some of this stuff seems kind of prescient, although this stuff seeming prescient is actually pretty bullshit because it's not prescient, it's just what's been going on in America for a long time. Our conversation about it has just historically been weird because we didn't have an internet to have that conversation on. You know what I mean? Um, and when I say we, I mean, I don't even know what I mean. Probably not everyone, right? People have been having these conversations. Um, so, yeah, man. So there's not that much, like, ridiculous, campy shit to talk about in this movie. Um, it's, I mean... While it's talking about stuff that we care about, like those things that I was just talking about, it's also like super like pro-cop, right? Like it's a movie about a heroic robot cop who is oppressed by like the hires up, the higher ups, the hires up in the police department where he works as well as like controlling corporate interests. Um, and therefore like not able to do his job, but he's still pretty good at doing his job. but. I think I wasn't paying attention when a reversal happened and all the police stopped liking RoboCop, or maybe they never liked RoboCop. Um, there's a point where, like, he's in a parking garage and all the police are shooting at him and they, like, shoot the fuck out of him, which is different from a lot of the movie because everybody seems to be really bad at aiming guns in the movie, except for RoboCop, right? When he's in... Well, that's not fair. I was going to say he's good at aiming his gun when he's at the shooting range, but less good when he's not at the shooting range. But I feel like that's probably true for everybody, right? There's a lot more stuff to think about. And there's a lot of reasons that your aim would not be as good outside of the shooting range than it is at the shooting range. So, you know, no logical internal consistency problems there. But my point is just like they're, they're shooting the fuck out of him in this place. And he's like, there's this cool thing that like, I don't really think that much about like the geography of parking garages, probably geography is the wrong word, like the architecture of parking garages where you know how there'll be like a like two foot tall because there's like flat parts and inclined parts. There's like, there'll be like a two foot part between the incline and the flat part. You don't never think about like jumping through it, but Robocop in order to escape from all these people who are shooting him high up on God, how boring is this part of the podcast? My point is just he makes good use of the holes in the parking garage. An important thing that you should know about RoboCop is that RoboCop has a partner whose name is Lewis. Uh, her full name is Anne Lewis, I think. And she looks a lot like Emily Dix Thomas, the uh, solo musician and cellist in my band Correspondences, which was an exciting thing to realize. Uh, Lewis in RoboCop doesn't have a little side rat tail, but I don't think Emily has had one in a few years either. So again, uh, not an inconsistency. That is like consistent with the real world. I texted Emily about it. Um, I think she probably survived the apocalypse. We have to assume, right? But she hasn't texted back. 
Um, what else? It's interesting. It's cool. I mean, because it's not super campy, the TV, there are often TVs on, right? And the shit that's on the TV is super campy. It's all these, like, sort of 1987, like, skinny, pretty, like, model-looking women in, like, lingerie, and there's this, like, ongoing joke that the TV show that everybody is watching that everybody likes is about, like, all these like skinny pretty young women in the like you know who just kind of like Kelly Bundy from Married with Children or whatever and there's this kind of greasy dude who keeps being like I'll buy that for a dollar that's like his catchphrase and I feel like that was sampled too for the RoboCop video game that we played as kids um the TV show is clearly like some comic relief it's like some like look how fucking vapid TV has gotten compared even to now and I forget how far in the future the movie is supposed to be set I feel like maybe it's set in like you know, a year that has already gone by now in the real world. But other than that, like, there's not that much camp. And so what's really interesting is, is, and compelling to me as somebody who's from the 80s in a way that, like, I feel like when I was younger, and even now, it's hard for me to figure out how to watch stuff that's set before, I don't know, like, 1980. Um, I'm a little bit, like, I don't understand the aesthetics in a way that I can, like, parse them to make sense of them like with exceptions right I feel like I can watch Boogie Nights but um like it's fascinating because I was a little kid I talked about this in my podcast about Purple Rain I think too where like you first like come to consciousness and the aesthetics of popular culture are like there and so you start to learn them you start to interpret them or like figure out like how to deal with them and then they gradually change over time right like I feel like between this and watching Stranger Things that like Netflix show that just came out that is fucking great you should totally watch it I mean I feel like I'll say that now and then somebody's gonna have a good critique about why it's busted and then I'll be like oh man I shouldn't have said that that was great because I wasn't smart enough to have that critique but as it stands right now as of this recording Stranger Things pretty fucking good Um, I've been parsing out sort of how a lot of like and this is going to sound stupid obvious like super obvious when I put it into words but parsing out how like the early 80s was like the 70s like in terms of clothes and hair and stuff like that right like I tend to think of I tend to think of what I don't know I'm seeing a contiguousness between like the aesthetics of the 70s and shit like horror movies from the 70s and like horror movies of the early 80s when really I was only starting to figure out how to like make sense of current or like contemporaneous pop culture aesthetics in like the late 80s I feel like I'm talking super dorky but I think you hear me right you understand what I'm saying about like so when Robocop came out right this was like just before I was starting to be like okay this is what's cool and this is like what people wear and this is how people look and you know never really like articulating those things explicitly but just like this movie looks like what the world looked like like kind of when I was a little kid right except set in the future and so I remember when I was younger reading about somebody was talking about how about Star Wars and they were saying that movies set in the distant past or the distant future always look half like the year that they were made and half like the year that they're supposed to be set in and I feel like this movie the the upshot of all of this talk is that this movie looks so much like the future of 1987 it's fascinating it's like there's like a lot of command line stuff on the screen because I guess computers were the future 
and like the fonts and the speed that the words like scroll by on the command lines, all the command lines that you see, like they still look super futuristic to me and also like super dated in this way where it's like the future of the past. Like I said, I don't know, they, they look cool and there's a lot of like, you'll be like looking from Robocop's perspective and there will be like picture in picture with like a green outline and it looks like super old fashioned but also still like kind of cool and futuristic and like I forget what all the horizontal lines in Robocop's vision are called. I may never actually have known what that thing is called. Maybe scan lines, but that might be something else. Um, it's just all these, like, I don't even know the fabric of the suits that people, like, that the men are wearing. It's, like, maybe flannel, but I don't think it's flannel. Um, like I said, I probably don't have the language to articulate these specifics. Anyway, it's just, it's fucking great to see what they thought the future, like a grim dystopian future was gonna look like in 1987. Um, and what else? Oh yeah, I was gonna say before when I was talking about the, um, the movie's heart being in the right place in terms of politics, it also like, all that stuff rings pretty hollow because there's absolutely no discussion of race in Detroit in the dystopian future, which is, a pretty intense omission. Like, there is pretty much... There's, like, a couple relatively unimportant black cops, and there's... One of the main bad guys is kind of coded as an apolitical Black Panther. Like, he's wearing a beret and uh, aviators and stuff, but, like, I feel like an apolitical Black Panther is not a thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that thing where you're a little bit like, okay, I see what you were going for, but it feels like without engaging with, like, it becomes kind of an elephant in the room, right? Like, this is mostly a movie about white people, and it's set in apocalyptic, dystopian, future Detroit, so, like, I don't know, somebody smarter than me could say something smarter than that about it. I'll leave it there. I don't have a lot of insight about it. Another thing you're going to want to know about the antagonists in this movie is that the lead antagonist, whose name is Clarence Boddicker, who became sort of an archetypal figure for me, again, as a child, because he must have been in that RoboCop video game, um, he is this, like, super mean, like, cruel dude. He's, like, bald-headed and just, like, doesn't give a fuck about anything, and he'll, like, shoot you, he doesn't care. He's, like, he's a great villain, actually. Um, and the thing that you want to know about him is that he has played by Red Foreman from fucking That 70s Show. Like, he's the dad from That 70s Show as this, like, pretty hardcore villain, um, which is cool. He's, like, shows up at one point with this giant gun called, like, a cobra and blows up his, like, his apolitical Black Black Panther buddy's expensive 6,000 SUX car, which is, like, unnecessary, but I guess they're criminals. Like, I feel like the portrayal of crime in this movie probably is a little bit unrealistic, too, although it's the future, so who fucking knows? Um, but, yeah, it's a story about... Like, it's complicated. It's a story about a cop, right? And you're supposed to... I think we just assume that this cop is good. We like cops. Oh, it opens... There's boobs within, like, the first two minutes, and then I don't think there's really that many boobs after that, but it opens in this, like... If, like, the police department was... Ally McBeal, like not in terms of tone, but in terms of gender neutral bathrooms and the implication that therefore there are gender neutral locker locker rooms as well. Like it opens in this gender neutral police locker room um, where you see boobs right away. Lady cop boobs. Um, that's cool. That's a good like a way to like 
let you know the stakes early on in a movie. Like, we were going to be watching some grown-up stuff, you know what I mean? Um, it's pretty grown-up, and they, they get coffee early on, and they drink coffee from these cups that are, like, not quite square and not quite round, which is super futuristic. Like, that's pretty cool. That's a good move to make future cups. I wonder if you can buy those future Robocops. Robocop cups, a.k.a. Robocops. Did you hear me stutter there? I just... I, I came up with that portmanteau just a second too late. Less than a second, probably. Um, what else can I tell you about this shit? Um, he gets, like, murdered by the bad guys and then brought back to life. And then, um, they, he's like a robot. And they're like, no, we wiped his memory. But they didn't really wipe his memory, right? Because it's a brain, not a computer. And so... One of the things that RoboCop struggles with is being a human being who is expected to be a robot, right? Um, like, at one point, he has, like, memories of being killed, and they appear on a screen, which is cool. You're, like, looking at the, like, RoboCop technicians, and they have, like, monitors, and RoboCop's dreams are appearing on them, which is cool. Um, they do cool stuff with monitors a couple times in this movie, actually. Like, when they first wake RoboCop up, you're seeing from his perspective, and the first, like, glimpse you have of RoboCop with his fucking, uh, like, RoboCop helmet and shit on is in, like, a small monitor in the foreground, which is cool. If, and then you see his dream on another monitor. I feel like there's another cool monitor thing that I wanted to, um, to talk about, but I guess I forgot about it. Um... At one point, Clarence Boddicker, the dad from that 70s show, is wearing, like, a windbreaker and, like, a black ascot, which is, like, not a look that anybody should be able to pull off, and yet he still, he looks kind of cool doing it, like, for whatever reason it works. Um, there's also one of the, so, like, Robocop's sort of... Uh, not to get back into, like, Jungian stuff, but Robocop's sort of shadow self is this other robot named Ed209, which is, like, E-D, I think it's just pronounced Ed, but it's, like, I forget what it stands for, but he's this, like, he's this killer stop-motion robot monster, um, and when I say killer, I mean, like, killer not in the literal sense, although he kills a lot of people, I think, but also in the metaphorical sense of, like, he's an awesome monster. Ed 209 rules because, I think because of the sound design, like, he's this big, obviously, stop-motion monster, right? Um, he's basically a big, um, what's the word? Condenser microphone, right? Which has been turned on its side, and then they stuck some legs and guns onto it, and made it look much bigger in the movie. Um, but he's got this, like, super deep voice, and they did a great job of having the, like, clanking of his feet be, like, really kind of powerful. Um, and at one point, like, you see RoboCop goes down some stairs, and Ed 209 can't follow him down the stairs because his feet are wrong for stairs, and so he, like, tumbles down the stairs and falls. Um, which, you know, is kind of a significant weakness for a big, tough, cool robot. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do, right? Um, Ed 209, also in the RoboCop video game that I played as a child, uh, challenging enemy. I feel like maybe you could get the, like, cool, like, Cobra gun that Clarence Boddicker had 
Um, and then you could use that against Ed 209 in the video. <laughs> I don't fucking know, dude. Um, just like the way that Robocop walked in that game, it was like his legs moved and like maybe like from the hips up he didn't move, so he was like, um, oh man, okay, here's an embarrassing story. When I was a kid, so this was probably like grade school, right? I, this is a vague memory, and so who knows how much of it is literally true and how much is figuratively true, but I saw this, like, this dude somewhere. Probably, in fact, I have a pretty good sense that this was a dude I saw at Voorhees High School, which was, like, a high school sort of, not the high school that I went to, but, like, a high school that was around, and in retrospect, I think he was probably a goth, and in retrospect, he was almost certainly a high school goth, right? And I remember he was, he just seemed like the coolest fucking person to me, right? I was like, holy cow, I want to be like that person when I grow up. Like that is an acceptable like masculinity to me, you know what I mean? And I think like probably he wasn't like super gothed out. I think he was probably wearing like black jeans and like a black shirt or like shit like that, you know what I mean? But the way that he walked, he was walking his like... His, he was like sort of like rolling his feet along the ground if that makes sense like like doing like a heel toe heel toe kind of thing I'm not sure how to describe it except that it was like it was like gliding right his walk was like a glide and I can see now that that was he was probably such a dork right like this kid was probably such a doofus and maybe even trying to like super impress like eight-year-old me by walking cool as a goth in 1985 or whatever but it made a huge impression on me, and I feel like when I was in junior high, I would like try to walk like that, but like not all the time, just like when people who were like, who had like social power in the, the middle school would be around, I would try to like walk cool so they would think I was cool, you know what I mean? And it was not cool, I was not cool. I was never going to have any social power in middle school, and so I feel like I got mocked pretty mercilessly for walking that way by, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you that kid's name, but by somebody who went to my middle school, because hopefully that kid has grown and changed a lot and doesn't need to be shamed about something that happened in middle school. You know what I mean? Like, probably that's, that kid is like, grown up to be a pretty good person. Um, but just thinking about that, because... Um, I think that it was not that dissimilar from the way that Robocop walked in that video game. You know what I mean? Um, so that's a story from my life. Why did I bring that up? Where were we before we talked about Robocop walking? Oh, video game, Ed 209. Did I have more to say about Ed 209? He just sounds awesome, dude. He sounds super scary. Like, he's got this deep voice that's like a deep robot voice, and the clanking is really effective. It was good. Um... There's a part in the movie, I forget who says it, maybe Clarence Boddicker, maybe somebody else. Um, there's a guy who you recognize, he's like a character actor from lots of stuff, I don't remember his name. Um, who's like doing a lot of cocaine with these like, you know, like kind of uh, stock, like slutty 80s girl character, similar to the ones in the TV show that's like, I'd buy that for a dollar, right? Um, he's doing cocaine with them, and then one of the bad guys walks in the room, and he yells out, like, bitches leave, right? He's like, bitches leave, and so the women leave, and on its own, that's fine, that's, like, 
kind of misogynist, obviously, but, like, that sort of shit is to be expected in things from America. But it's exciting because I feel almost certain, like, I think that the movie was triple X, but it may have been a different movie. There's definitely a movie where somebody enters a room and goes, bitches come, and the women come into the room, the, like, decade-appropriate variant of that stock female character, like, enters the room. Or maybe, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe they say bitches leave. No, I'm pretty sure it's bitches come. Um, which, like, I hadn't realized was potentially, and I hadn't even thought about that scene, except that when I saw that movie in the theater, and I'm guessing it probably was triple X, um, when I saw that in the theater, whoever I was with and I, we were like, holy shit, dude, did he really just say bitches come and it worked? Um, it's really nice to think about that having been a reference to RoboCop. Um, so that's a nice thing that I learned from watching RoboCop this time. Um, just flicking through some notes here. What else? Um, it's like a threat of sexual assault scene, which is not that fun, but RoboCop does something cool where he, like, shoots through the woman's skirt into the, like, would-be sexual assault guy's nuts. Um, it's pretty good. Um, oh, yeah, I was thinking about, I'm almost certain that this was in the book, uh, Big Machine by Victor, Victor Laval but it could have been from something else, but I think that's where I read it, where he was talking about how, like, in 80s movies, the depictions of gangs, like, they depict these gangs as, like, far more racially diverse than gangs are in real life in a way that is, like, kind of, like, good job gangs in solving the diversity problems or whatever that we have in every other corner of the world. You know what I mean? And I guess part of... I'm, not doing it a service. I feel like maybe I quoted it and put it up on my old blog that has since been deleted because I didn't pay attention to it, but it's just a funny thing to think about, like, gangs in 80s movies as having solved a race problem. Um, and I mean, I guess, in a sense, one of the things that gangs can do in real life is to address the race problem in America, but again, that's probably not my department to say smart things about. So... What else? I don't know. I feel like I could keep flipping through this thing, but none of it is really, like, flashy and bonkers. It's all kind of straightforward. RoboCop 1 isn't that campy. It's RoboCop 2 and RoboCop 3. I think especially RoboCop 3, probably, where they get, like, extra campy. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll check those movies out at some point. Maybe I owe it to you to watch all of the RoboCop movies. Um, just looking through. They drink coffee and futuristic cups um robocop and lewis like this dude gets thrown out of a truck into their windshield while they're having like a like car chase gun battle and instead of like stopping to help him they just keep going so that they can kill more bad guys which i feel like is maybe a joke about police not giving a fuck about human beings it's kind of unclear um there's a nerdy cop named cecil who we don't see after like almost the beginning of the movie, but that's cool. There's some conflict around union stuff, which is kind of hard to parse because it's the police union, so it's a little bit complicated. Like, but at the same time, um, like management doesn't want the police union to strike, but the police union to strike it wants to strike. I don't know, man. Whatever. Um, what am I gonna tell you about that? There's boobs. There's a nerd cop. The cops are super militarized. Um, Omni Computer Products, or OCP, is the, like, main 
antagonist corporation. They're basically the Umbrella Corporation from Resident Evil. Um, what else can I tell you? I guess the main other thing I wanted to say is that if you made it to the end of the podcast, check this out. I was fucking with you at the beginning. Robocop is actually a great metaphor for trans experiences because here's what happens. OCP, right, and the police force and all these people, they like, they're like, okay, we're going to do this operation. This is like the most important thing in RoboCop's life, right? We're going to give RoboCop this operation and it's going to like, you know, it's going to make everything better, right? It's going to like solve all of everyone's problems. And then instead, RoboCop is like, you assholes, like that did not solve all my problems. This totally falls apart. This is going to be such a banger of a surprise ending, but it actually, RoboCop, the truth is it's a shitty metaphor for trans experiences. Here, how's that for a, like another reversal in this podcast? Um, there's just, there's something there about RoboCop being like, hey, like doctor who like gave me surgery and like world that like made this surgery the most important thing in my life. Like you're all assholes. And then them all being like, we want to kill you. Um, it doesn't really line up that well. It's kind of, like I said, it's a shitty metaphor, but it's not as bad as I implied at the beginning of this podcast. So, um, you know, guess that's all I got. Oh, there's one other cool part that happens where RoboCop is looking for criminals in a club and this guy, like, pulls a gun on him and, like, it's, like, a cool, like, future of the 80s club where everybody is kind of, like, futuristic, like, 80s punks and, like, 80s, like, weirdos. And this dude pulls a gun on RoboCop and RoboCop punches the gun right out of the dude's hand and the gun flies into the air and this other, like, weirdo just, like, catches it and just continues dancing, like, kind of incorporates the gun into his dance moves and that's pretty cool. Truck nuts and dick holes. That's it. Imogen Benny on Twitter. This song is by People Watching. That other song was by Gorgon. Fuck capitalism and fuck your internalized colonizer mindset. See ya.